Lord, as the sons of God, we raise our hands and we bless you. Heaven flowing to earth and earth flowing back to heaven, we come. We stand in the authority and the power you've given us by the faith of the Son of God. We declare and decree your kingdom over this realm and this place, over the hearts of these people, that their ears would be open. My mouth would utter the things of heaven and not of earth. The words from heaven be fire. That you ignite the hearts of your people once again. And God, that you would have a church that you don't have to compete with the world with for our attention. I pray, God, you'd have your church. And you would not have to compete with the world for her attention. She would not have to compete with her emotions, her doubts, her fears. But her attention would be on you. And she would be the true bride of Christ. One that the Son of Man longs to come and receive unto himself. We thank you and we praise you. And we love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you guys. With the Lord's still dealing. You just stay in that atmosphere and spirit. Thank you guys so much for what you do up here. Normally I'd probably let that roll for a little while, but I feel like there's something on my heart that you need to hear this morning and I want to speak that. If you ever get a chance to come to our evening services, this is what we do. We don't stop usually. We just let it roll. And At this point, I probably would have called several of you up for prayer, and we would have just got around you and laid hands on you and let the Lord deal with your heart. Before I begin again, I want, um, Jacob, can you put that Gladstone flyer back up? I want to remind you guys this weekend, I'm going to be posting some things on Facebook, and I would ask that if you follow me or the page of the ministry, share that this week, send it with your uh, friends, and and uh, put this on your calendars, 6 o'clock Friday, 6 o'clock Saturday, p.m., and then Sunday at 10. Um, encourage you to position your heart before the Lord, and uh, come expecting this, this man um, outside of Jesus Christ. Um, has probably had the single biggest impact on who I am today and why I am the way I am today. And so um, if there's anything of value you've seen in my life, know that it comes from a direct um, correlation to his um, and the Lord through him. So he's one of my mentors, and I highly uh, look up to him and esteem him in the Lord. So I encourage you to come and hear and uh, be a part of the meetings if you can and share with that uh, everybody you can possibly share with Amen. Bobby, would you hold those papers up one more time? For those of you who didn't get a chance to uh, grab a paper for the prayer, we're going to take uh, every day at noon uh, from 12 to 1221 or whatever your lunch is. If you need one of those, just raise your hand if you want to be a participant in this. If you don't want it, that's fine. Um, but we're going to pray over this specific uh, issue as a body at the same time collectively. And uh, if you want to jot anything personal that you want to pray for on the back of that, be every day we're starting this tomorrow, and it will go until I feel like the Lord releases us from that. So at this point, it's indefinite, um, but it will start every day at lunch. And uh, if you have to set an alarm on your phone, do so. Uh, if you don't want to be a part of that, you're totally at liberty to not be a part of that as well. No condemnation. But if it is on your heart to join with us and unify in prayer over certain issues, uh, we would enjoy and uh, welcome your time and your prayer with Abba, with us. Amen? Okay, let's get started. I have a little bit to cover, and you guys only left me 45 minutes. So, you know that doesn't work well with me, right? <laughs> 45 minutes is not a long time for me. I don't understand how pastors can preach the, the oracles and the depths of the Spirit of God in 15 minutes. I don't understand that. I, I think more because we're, we're hungrier for the world than we are for the Word of God. So we're ready to get back to the world. And that's why we sometimes... Put time constraints on the, on the Father. I want you to, um, we're going we're gonna to go to, uh, gosh, we're going to be all over the place. I apologize. I want to go ahead and turn to 1 Samuel 10. And just keep your finger there. We've been talking about sonship and uh, what that means biblically. If you haven't heard the last four or five messages, I encourage you to go online to ProclaimingJesus.com, or you can go to our Facebook page at Proclaiming Jesus and listen to the last four messages. 
Um, this is this is paramount to you being a believer in Christ. God never calls you a Christian. Not one time does that word ever come out of Jesus' mouth. It never comes out of God's mouth. The word Christian only came from the world because it didn't know how to articulate God being in men to such a degree like Jesus performed in us when he rose from the dead. Such power and glory came out of us that it shocked and awed the world, left them speechless, and the only thing they could say was, they're like Jesus, they're like Christ, they're like the anointed. And so that's the order. The word Christian is supposed to indicate a similitude of Jesus Christ because that is exactly what he died to birth sons, not just believers. I say this all the time, and I'll say it till the day I die. Jesus did not die to give you something to believe in. He, gave you, he died to give you something to become. There's a difference between believing in something and being the thing that you used to believe in. Does that make sense? One is an identity. The other is a theology. One can change your life. The other one will make you miserable. You with me? Because theology without the Spirit of God is death. You can't come up to it. You can't handle it. You can't walk in it. You can't keep it. It will grind you into powder. The Spirit of God is the only thing that makes it possible to live like a son. And if we don't have the Spirit of God cultivated in our life, we have no bearing on sonship. So we've talked about the covenant that started this entire thing in Genesis 15. We've talked about the replication and what it was with Christ. We've talked about many things in sonship. But today I want to talk about the very Holy Spirit of the living God and why that is so important in sonship. It actually is the inception of why we claim to be sons. Without Him, we have no entrance into the love of God. Do you understand that? That without the Holy Spirit, you have no frame of reference of the love of God. Without Him, you are not born again. Without Him, you have no new life inside of you. Without the Holy Spirit, we have no access to Jesus or the Father. I would even go as far to say is that the Holy Spirit is the relationship you have with God on this earth. Because Jesus isn't here and the Father isn't here. So every access that you think you have of Jesus, every touch of Jesus that you think you get in this life is literally the Holy Spirit. You with me? He's that powerful, he's that important. In fact, he's so important and he's so powerful that Jesus said, in order for you to receive of my fullness, I have to leave because I've got to send you my life source because if you don't have my life source, you can't live my life. The Holy Spirit is the DNA, it's the life force of God. It is the spirit that has kept God eternally alive, eternal past, and will keep him alive along with us, eternal future. The Holy Spirit is the power in which God resides in continually. It's what caused the sun to continually burn. When he spoke the thing out of his mouth, the Holy Spirit is the one that put it into order. It's the Ruach of God. The word comes out, but it's the breath of God that makes the creation behind the word. You with me? It's the same way that the Ruach of God came first. The breath of God and the word of God in tandem. When Jesus was born, he was born by the power of what? The Holy Spirit. He became flesh. That spirit, that word, that, that anointed of God came out in one breath and made Jesus in Mary's womb. True or not? It's the same way you, got, you and I got born again. Do you understand that you're born of another order? You were born from another realm. You were born from another kingdom. You were born from another cosmos. You are a completely new species of humanity, something that never existed before Jesus. Eternal past from Jesus backwards. Nothing existed new outside of what God already created. And, but when Jesus became human, something new was made. God made flesh, which made it possible for flesh to be made into the image of God. Not just bearing his likeness and his, in his, in his, rep, his, his reference of, of look, but his spirit in his life. The Holy Spirit is the part of the Godhead that you and I encounter and experience that leads us to Jesus. It's what comes over us and causes us to say his name. When his presence hits us and we call out on the name of the Lord. You with me? Without access to the Holy Spirit, you have no access to what you call salvation. 
Now let me get this theologically correct here for you and out of the way so we can move on. Those of you who have been born again, you have been born again by the Holy Spirit of God. And you know that that Spirit came inside of you and created new life. Something happened inside of you that you could not articulate, but yet you fully experienced. True or not? This is the Holy Spirit. But there's a difference between the Spirit in you and the Spirit upon you. You with me? Many people are, quote unquote, born again by the Spirit that came inside of them, but they don't walk in the Spirit of God the way Jesus did with Him resting upon them. And when we don't walk in that Spirit with the Holy Spirit resting upon us, then we begin to create chaos. Because we begin to live a life that's outside of what a son should live, yet claiming to be a son. Because sons only live by the Spirit. They're born by the Spirit. They walk by the Spirit. They live by the Spirit. They are with the Spirit constantly. But yet we've created a hybridized version of Christianity where we can have our salvation internally and have the world externally and see no difference between the two. That we can do whatever we want on the outside, chasing the Holy Spirit off of our shoulder, and He's no longer upon us, but because of the fact that we're, we're confident that we've had an experience salvifically, and He's inside of us. You would realize that Jesus is the determining factor and the judgment factor of what it means to be a son. He's the comparison to which we will all be compared to. And he carried both the spirit within him and upon him. And when you see people who claim to be sons living life in a way where it causes Holy Spirit to not be a part of their external circumstances, what you're seeing is a son who's claiming to have all the inheritances of heaven, but yet never surrender to its rule. Does that make sense to you? So let me say it this way. You can be a Christian without the Holy Spirit, but you can't be a son without him. You say, whoa, 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 I don't understand that. Well, listen, people claim Christianity all the time. And they are nowhere close to living like Christ. And I'm not talking about perfection orientism here. I'm talking about the nature inside of us that constantly just conforms itself to his image. Does this make sense to you? You can be a Christian, quote unquote, an American Christian. I know if I thought, oh, I'm a Christian. Why are you a Christian? I don't know why I'm a Christian because I was born in a Christian house. That doesn't make you a Christian. You can be an American Christian without the Holy Spirit, but you cannot be a son without him. Does this make sense to you? So what happens now, now, nowadays is that we have this relationship with God that we feel is personal. Yet we never live like Jesus intends us to live. And then we wonder why everything is in chaos. How, how is it that God creates a new species of humanity and then that same new species is plagued and completely hindered and oppressed by the very thing that he died to deliver it from? How is that possible? How is it possible that God creates an entire new species of humanity who is free from all the things that we were in bondage with in the past, and then now as we're a new species of humanity, we're all a Christian, we're still doing the same old things that we were doing back there. How is that possible? How is it possible, how is it possible for this generation to claim to be Christians and have sex outside of marriage? How is it possible? A son doesn't do that. You don't even have to tell a son to not do that. It's in their nature to not do that. A Christian, you have to teach them not to do that. Why? Because Christianity pursues the things that sons naturally possess. A son recognizes something's wrong with this picture. Why? Because it's not coming from them. The thing that's causing them to run away from the thing that they, caught, they, they previously ran to is the thing of God inside of them that gives them life. You with me? Yes. So our modern day culture has this relationship with the Holy Spirit that's, that's false. Let me, let me say, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. Let me say it this way. You know what? People... Progressive Christians, and I don't mean leftist progressive Christians, I just mean progressive Christians, those who are pursuing the spirit of God, away from the spirit of religion, pursuing the spirit of God, they judge the church by how much presence falls down. God judges the church by how much presence comes out. So we're going to sit in 
criticism over certain churches because the Holy Spirit's not present. I don't feel the Spirit in that church. Maybe you would if you actually let him out of you. The problem is you only have a relationship with the Holy Spirit when he comes down. You don't have a relationship with him coming out. You know why? How most, you know how I know that? Because most of the time when I have counseling sessions, it's because those people are not able to give life in their circumstances. Therefore, they're stuck. Show me a circumstance Jesus didn't bring life to. Show me one. Show me where he had to go get counseling because he just felt like he couldn't do it. Show me where he had to go get medication because he identified with being, with being bipolar and ADD and schizophrenic. Show me where that happened. You think God creates junk? He makes new species of humanities and then he lets you, and then you think he's okay with you identifying with the thing that he set you free from? Maybe you're still dealing with those things because you believe that they're still part of your nature and that belief is actually causing it to come to pass. You understand what I'm saying? So let me, let me just say it this way. If we don't cultivate carrying Holy Spirit, not only just with inside of us, but upon us, then we're going to cause chaos in our own life. Does that make sense? The Holy Spirit is the life force of God, is the life by which we're made anew. And if we're opposed to that same spirit in our lifestyle that birthed us, then we live opposed to our true selves. In other words, to persecute Holy Spirit and live in a way that causes him to, to grieve, you're actually persecuting your own true nature because you're born by that spirit. And if you persecute that spirit by the way you live, you're actually persecuting the nature in which he died to give you. You think it's optional for you to go and do what you want to do because, well, I don't think God's okay. I think God's okay with all that. Well, I think it doesn't matter what you think God's okay with. What it matters is what God believes he's okay with. And if you grieve the Holy Spirit, you're grieving your true nature as well because you were born by that Spirit. And if you don't foster the mindset of Christ, then you're going to foster the mindset of Adam. And the mindset of Adam is going to cause you to do certain things in your life that's going to grieve Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit is going to lift from off of you. And then you're not going to have any frame of reference to be able to give life. And then you're going to have to come to church again and pray that God moves some Sunday morning during worship so you can feel again. Because you're dependent upon other people bringing the Spirit because you can't bring Him in on your own by the way you're living. Salvation, free, comes by the blood of Jesus. You get saved, his blood sanctifies you and, and, and purifies you from the old man, and you, you, if you died right then, you go to heaven, right? But that, the problem is you haven't, you haven't died, so you're still alive, which means now he's got a plan for you, and you have to walk this thing out. Salvation is free, but walking with the Spirit will cost you everything. You don't get to live the way you want to live anymore. In fact, the nature inside of you demands that you don't live any the same way you with me how is it possible that we still hold on to the things that are classified by the old man to be hindrances and, and and addictions of the old man and we bring them into the new life and we think that's just okay because we're saved well you may be saved but are you walking with the spirit because that's what sons do or are you justifying your sin so that you can have a perfect world and have everything together both be saved and live like the nature of Adam as well. Okay, you with me? Sons are the habitation of God. This is where God lives. God resides in his people. True or not? In the Old Testament, the psalmist says this. What kind of house can you build for me? He's asking a question. Who, who, what kind of house are you going to build for me? It's, it's rhetorical. It's like, literally, what do you think you can build that's going to actually house my presence? What kind of tabernacle do you think you can put together and keep me in? I mean, they rebuilt the temple in Jerusalem, and the very icon of Jesus' resurrection and his death was when God, Abba, tore the veil and walked out of the tabernacle of men. Why? Because when he walked out of that building, he walked into our hearts. Because we are his habitation. It's a rhetorical question. I made you. You're my house. I, you are where I live. You are my temple. 
And yet we'll take that temple and involve it in things that the, the Lord would never involve itself in. And yet justify it because, well, he's inside of me. But is he upon you? Sons live with the spirit in them and upon them. You understand this? Forgive me for taking so long to intro. You understand that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. True or not? But yet he didn't have the spirit upon him until 30 years of age. So it's possible to walk as a Christian with the spirit within you for a long period of time and not having rest him on you. Because everything that Jesus had to learn in those 30 years and everything he had to do and grow and be and come up into was the, uh, the, the preparatory period for the spirit to be upon him. He had to live a certain way, think a certain way, develop a certain way, develop a character, a mindset a certain way. Why? Because the Spirit of God is the most precious thing to the Father that whenever He puts it on somebody, He expects them to take care of it. Interesting, it's Mother's Day because the Spirit of God is almost like the feminine part of God. It's the part of God you don't mess with. Which is why He'll give you new life. Inside, by the Holy Spirit, you're adopted. But it doesn't mean you have good relationship with the mother. You guys understand that even in a human sense. Relationships, you can have bad marriages, completely horrific bad marriages. But it was still enough to conceive children. But the relationship is still bad, right? There's no peace in the home. And that's what we're doing, is that we're rejoicing over our salvation. We're rejoicing over the fact that God touched us however many years ago, or whatever it might have been, called this salvation experience. But yet we've got a bad relationship with Abba. And we're his house. We're his temple. Who is, who is that? See, is, is it Abba? Are we Abba's temple? No. Are we Jesus' temple? No. Whose temple are we? The Holy Spirit. You with me? The Holy Spirit is the very inception of sonship. He starts the entire thing. He is with us in in the entire thing. And he will end us in the entire thing. And we have to walk with him and learn how to walk with him as we go in. Okay? You understand this? Luke 135. You don't have to turn there. The angel comes to Mary. It says, the Holy Ghost will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. This is how sons are born. By the Spirit of God. Then tell me why the church is so comfortable living with the Spirit of the world. Because when you're talking about sonship, you're talking about nature and naturality. You're talking about things that organically just naturally go. What Christianity, we think that is, is it's just this, this progress of, of learning and study and everything. No, no. What sonship is, is that you become like God when the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. And because the Holy Spirit's inside of you, you begin to naturally grow up into the nature of Jesus. It just happens. You show me somebody who's 15, 20 years struggling in their faith and has never grown past their salvation, I'll, I'll question whether they were ever saved or not. I don't care if they had experience. Experiences don't mean salvation. That, all that means is that the Holy Spirit fell on you at one point trying to convince you that he is the way and you didn't surrender and submit to that. He doesn't have control over your life. Therefore, you have this moment, but it didn't produce life. It didn't produce Jesus. It's, 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 I say this all the time. It's like washing a pig. You can wash it and put lipstick on it, but it's still a pig. You leave it alone. You let it off the leash. It's going to roll it back to the mud. Why? Because it's natural for the pig to do that. It's natural for the son to grow. It's natural for a son of God to manifest the spirit of God. It's natural for sons to walk with Holy Spirit. If you try to live your Christian life without Holy Spirit and without a relationship with Holy Spirit, I promise you, you are going to have the worst time. And you will be dependent upon somebody else bringing the anointing in the room because you won't have the ability to do it for yourself. Some of you in here need to learn how to manifest the Spirit of God in your room. You know what we're comfortable with, though? Ironically, that last song, Let It Rain, that's what we're comfortable with. We just want God to rain on us, get us wet, and let us go back about our life. We want to come to church, feel his presence, and then go live exactly like we just did. 
the rest of the week, changing nothing. All because we believe a certain theology to be true, and the Bible's already explicit about that, that each man does that which is right in his own eyes. And everybody's right in their own eyes. Everybody thinks they're good. Everybody's got a justification. Everybody's got a theology to back up why they're living what they're living. Everybody's got an excuse. The problem is, is judgment day isn't going to be done and ruled by you or your opinion. It will be, you will be compared to Jesus. That's why they call it the great white throne judgment. You know why? Because when you stand anything in front of a white canvas, if it has any kind of discoloration or blemish at all, it shows up. You will be placed right next to Jesus, and God's going to look and go, does he look like my son? You with me? What does it say in Ephesians 4.30? It says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. By the Spirit, you are sealed to the day of redemption. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. There are certain things that you do in your body as the temple of God that are complete antithesis against God himself, and yet you want to pray for God to come and change your life, and you're living in a way that God wouldn't live, yet claiming to be a son. See, our only access to the Father through Jesus is the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that the love of God was shed abroad in our hearts. How? By the Holy Spirit. Listen, if we grieve the essence of God that made us a son in the first place, then in essence we grieve our own identity. And when you begin to start grieving your own identity, you know what happens? Bipolar schizophrenia. The Bible Bible calls it double-mindedness. Why? Because the true nature you say you are on the inside is at war with the nature you're allowing to live on the outside, and the outside is dominating the inside nature, and that creates a division. And whenever you live in division, you don't receive anything from God. And that's why I have so many people come to me over the last 25 years and say, well, I'm, I'm praying and God won't answer me. You know why God won't answer you? Because you've already decided how you want to live your life and you're trying to bring God into it instead of surrendering your life at his feet and saying, do whatever you want to do. You're trying to make God make sense of that of your life. and it, Your life only makes sense when it's dead and his life only makes sense when it's alive. If you're going to claim to be a son, you have to learn to walk in the spirit. I'm not talking about having an experience with Holy Spirit at some point in your life. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about cultivating a lifestyle where you don't offend him by what you listen to, what you watch, where you go, what you think, what you identify with, what you speak, how you treat your wife, how you treat your children. All those things can cause Holy Spirit to lift off of you. It's possible for the Holy Spirit to lift up lift off of you and always be present with you why because when he's born you're born again god's omnipresent he comes inside you he makes you anew but that doesn't mean he condones and endorses everything you do in your life does it make sense if you live outside of your inception you create double-mindedness god did not create you to live in the adamic nature he created a new man and he expects that new man to walk with the spirit that birthed that new man and if you try to live in any other spirit it doesn't make sense. And some of us are more familiar how to operate in the spirit of Adam than we are in the spirit of the Son. Grace has enough power and influence to get you saved. But you need submission to walk with the Spirit. God doesn't just wave his magic wand over your head and you have enough grace to be able to do that. No, you have to make choices in your life to do certain things and be certain things and, and say certain things and position yourself in certain ways to be able to have the Spirit upon you. Just ask Jesus. He didn't get the right to do whatever he wanted for that first 30 years. If he would have, the Spirit never would have came upon him. You don't get the right to think what you think you want to think. God gave you his mind. He expects you to use it. And if you don't, it's an act of rebellion if you don't. When God gives you something, he believes you have the power and the ability to do it. He believes you have the authority to do it. Because he believes in the nature in which he put inside of you. And when we begin to live divided in our minds and in our hearts, what we do is we go back to an Old, Old Testament version of Christianity. Where we think God's way out there and we have to get him to come into our circumstance to change something. 
that God sacrificed his son to give you new life and then create that new life that's dependent upon the old man? Why would he do that? The thing that he put inside of you, he didn't make to be a beggar. The thing he put inside of you, the new nature he put inside of you, isn't a beggar and it isn't a pauper and it isn't a worm and it isn't something without power and authority. But that's how we live. We're more familiar with depression and oppression and fear and strife than we are the things of the Spirit of God. Because we're operating in the spirit of Adam. And when you operate in the spirit of Adam, the Holy Spirit will not rest upon that kind of life. Impossible. And you wonder why you don't have power. Because you can only have power in the Holy Spirit. Why? Because that was one of the promises that Jesus said he would send. Stay in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. What was that power? The Holy Spirit. It's amazing how much Christian faith we're able to operate in without power. That's why, we're, that's why the best of us find churches where the Spirit's present. Why? Because when the Spirit's present, it, leaves, it makes us feel better for a minute. Oh man, I felt the Holy Spirit. How about carrying Him every day and get out of your stupid head that you're allowing to, to persecute the Spirit of God inside of you. Because the mind of Christ is yours if you'll just access it. The Adamic nature is an idiot. He'll betray God given the, give it any chance. Some people, I don't understand. Some people read certain books and watch certain movies, and I'm just like, what is wrong with you? That's witchcraft. Well, I get spiritual revelation out of it. Yeah, the devil will give you all kinds of stuff like that. Amen. Think Jesus would read that stuff? But listen, this is where it's divided. You get to the shoes. How much of the Spirit of God you have in your life and how much you don't. This is why you see certain people that when they speak and when they move and when they worship and when they do certain things, the Spirit of God just begins to flow. Why? Because they learn to walk with the Spirit. And they're bringing something into the room that you can't naturally create on your own. Well, I say that wrong. You can, but you just aren't making the choice to do so. And I don't mean all of you. I mean generically. You with me? So this causes us to pray for God to come down instead of God to come out. See, God put his spirit inside of you, true or not? So we should be praying that God comes out of us. Why? Jesus, he showed that. Every miracle he did, every sermon he preached, everything he did, it was, he was coming into wastelands, desert places, people who were wrecked emotionally, mentally, spiritually, in darkness for ages under Jewish law. Traditions of men that no one could keep. He walked into those environments. Complete spiritual deserts. No water. No life. Nothing. And he walks in. And he doesn't pray for God to come down. You know why? Because he already did. When a son shows up, a son doesn't pray for the rain. He releases the water from within. Sons don't need counseling. They have the word of God to be a light under their feet, a lamp into their path. Sons don't ask for prayer most of the time because they don't care what happens to them. They're obsessed with others. They're obsessed with Father's will. The only time Jesus asked for prayer was when he was about to be physically murdered. And it wasn't so that, you know, this thing wouldn't happen to him. It was so he could go through it. He just wanted somebody to walk with him through it. Does this make sense? Yes. You know, I don't want you to raise your hand. But I want you to think. How many of, how many of you in your life can you say you, you have time where you spend with Holy Spirit and you know how to access him to the point when you begin to pray and you begin to kneel down, he immediately shows up. I'm not talking about when he overrides your life. You just happen to be driving down the road and his right song comes on and then all of a sudden you're like, ooh. Or you come to church, you know, and you're like, oh, man, I'm really feeling something here. And tears start to begin to flow. That's, not what, that's him invading your life. I'm talking about where you invade his. Yes. See, most people don't have that. 
and they want to be a Christian. No, you can't be without him. Why do you identify with what you were more than what he, what he says you are? You get saved, and you get this new life, and then you want to go tell everybody about how the doctors put all these labels on you, and that's what you are. Well, I'm just this, and I'm just that. I'm, okay, if that's what you want to be, be it. So we, we, we create this Christianity that's attendance-based culture. And then we begin to be picky about other churches because we walk in and the Spirit's not moving in that church. Well, He's not moving through you either. Because <laughs> if He was, you'd be having some, you'd get people saved. You'd get people discipled. See, you know, the people that argue with me the most, the staunch, religious, arrogant people who think they've got it all together and don't like the way I preach, I simply ask them a question. When's the last time you got somebody saved? They shut up every time. Never have I had somebody, and when, when, when I deal with a religious spirit, never have I had somebody say, well, last week. I've never had it happen. You know why? Because their entire religion is about them, their personal morality, and their personal holiness, and then they want to superimpose that on everybody else. Jesus came to give. Sons give. That's what they do. They pour their life out. When's the last time you made a disciple? When's the last time you've opened your home and poured into somebody for years? Through all the highs and the lows and, and the dark places and the times where they were suffering and, and, and crying and weeping and you were there with them and you were teaching them and you were letting them watch your life to cultivate the inside of them something that you knew God placed in them. That's what a son does. If we believed our theology half as much as we think we do, we would have saved the entire world by now. But it's easy to argue theology when you're sitting in front of another Christian. When you disagree, what about showing life and love and being able to feed those who are destitute, who are lost? Because you show up, now they can drink. Because you're present, now life comes out of you. Because you walk with the Holy Spirit. You with me? Genesis chapter 1, you don't have to turn there, you remember the story. Chaos happens, and then what happens? God breathes over the whole thing, speaks over what happens. Immediate order is created. Why? Because when the Spirit of God comes, order follows. Always. I don't care if it's over marriages, over finances, over children, over whatever it might be. When the Spirit of God comes, order comes. Jesus created a new order, did he not? How? By the Holy Spirit. In fact, it's interesting that he did no miracles that we can see in the scriptures until he had the Spirit, what? Upon him. Why? Because the Spirit of God will only rest upon the sons of God, not the sons of Adam. The Adamic nature causes Holy Spirit to flee, even if you've had a salvation-based experience. With me? But sons are not that way. We, we, we're, we're constantly waiting for another move from heaven to come down when heaven is waiting for a move to come out of the sons of God. We can't wait to get to church so we can feel his presence again. Why can't you do that in your home? Why can't you do that at the Walmart line? You know, I've developed such a relationship with the Lord. I'm not perfect, but I can stop anywhere at any time. I don't care where I'm pumping gas or whatever. If I just stop and be mindful of him and just start to say his name, he just comes. I feel him. I know he's with me. You understand? So let me give you a, before I get to the last part of this, let me give you a little bit of reference here. You guys understand when, when Noah was on the boat and the waters began to stop and they were beginning to recede, what happened? He sent out a bird. What did he send out first? A raven. You know what the raven represents? Flesh, the Adamic nature. Always comes first. Flesh always comes first. Always. Spirit comes second. Okay? First Adam, second Adam. Right? Body was made first, then the spirit comes into Adam. Flesh always comes first. Always. It wants to be first. It has to be first. It demands to be first. It expects to be first. You with me? He sends out that bird. And it doesn't come back. You know why? Because the flesh is okay feeding upon the world. And on top of those waters, you had floating carcasses, dead bodies, humans, animals, 
And that raven was just fine to sit on anything out there, find rest for its feet upon rotting, dead flesh. And some of you guys live in the spirit of that life, and you're okay with every little thing that the world does. You're okay with every little excuse. You're okay with every little justification of the world and this and that, involving yourself in and doing things the Holy Spirit would never do. But yet, you're okay with it because you're familiar with the Adamic nature, and you're okay sitting on that rotting, dead flesh of this life. And you know it doesn't produce life in you, but you keep doing it anyway because you feel justified because you've had an experience at some point in your past. But then guess what? He sends out another bird, which represents the Holy Spirit. And guess what? The bird comes back, doesn't he? Why? Because he's not comfortable resting upon the death and the rotting flesh of the Adamic nature, the old covenant, the things that are passed away by that flood of iniquity. He's not okay with it. He comes back to the ark, and then Noah sends him out again, and then he finally comes back, bringing back with him what? An olive branch, which represents... Life and peace. It's the Holy Spirit. So we're asking Holy Spirit to come involved in our life when we're hovering and bleeding into rotting dead flesh and then we're asking Him to be upon us. Mindsets, criticisms, angers, disagreements, whatever it might be, we're involved in these types of things. It's amazing that whenever Holy Spirit lifts, arguments ensue. You show me a marriage where people are constantly fighting, I'll show you a marriage void of the Holy Spirit. See, it's easy to come to church and put your mask on and then argue with me theology, uh, but, that's, but, that's, but see, your family, that's different. What's your marriage like? What's your life like? What's your kids like? That's, that's real. And if Holy Spirit's not present there, then he doesn't control your life. The Bible even says, man, you better be very, very careful about how you treat your women because if you do it wrong, God will not hear any prayer you pray. And I don't care how many times you, you tell me you're praying six hours a day. If you treat your wife wrong... They hit the ceiling and fall back down. Why? Because there's requirements to living by the Spirit. You with me? Women, if you don't learn to submit to your husband, that doesn't mean dominance. It means submission as unto the Lord. It means submission to the ways of God. Then you're not going to be able to operate fully in the Spirit of truth because God created you that way. Like it or not, I didn't write it. I'm not a male egotist. I believe in women. I believe in women leaders, women preachers. I believe in the women in the spirit. But we all have to suffer our consequences under the Adamic nature. But we don't have to live under that nature. You with me? So flesh gives birth to. Spirit gives birth to. It's amazing we're trying to live in the spirit and the flesh at the same time and then wonder why there's a difference. Does it make sense to you? Like I said, Romans 5, 5, the love of God was shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. How does God take down his enemies? We were singing that song, You Are My Champion. Well, yeah, technically, but you know what? Jesus didn't come down and kill Goliath. Who did? David did. I would actually take it around the other way, because when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we're his champion. Jesus, in flesh, took out the Goliath of his generation, didn't he? He met him in the wilderness. Because God always takes out his greatest enemies through his sons. He's not going to do it. He believes you can. Interesting that when he chose to defeat the devil, he didn't do it from a cosmos-oriented atmosphere. He didn't send his angels and just come in and take Lucifer by the throat and throw him into the pit. How did God beat his greatest enemy? Through human flesh. Not just any flesh. Flesh submitted to the Spirit. You want to beat the devil in your life? Try walking with the Holy Ghost instead of the Adamic nature, and you'll see a massive difference in your life. That means you have to stop doing certain things that you think are okay. It's amazing when you stop doing those things, how much tangible, how much more tangible he becomes. Anybody ever fasted in here? And that when you fast, it's amazing how much more tangible Holy Spirit becomes. It's amazing. Why? Because you're removing flesh. Does it make sense to you? Okay. So Jesus had the Spirit in and upon him. Are right, you making it to 1 Samuel 10? So let's look at this. I'm going to just 
go through this real quick. Saul represents everything that we are in the natural Christian American understanding. King Saul in the Old Testament. He's head and shoulders above the rest. He's the one that you know, everybody chose. He's uh, a king. He's, he's, he's strong. He's organized. He's, he's in it. He's what we would want in our pastor's pulpits, our, 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 our leadership team. Saul is that man. Right? So first, it's, this is Samuel, the prophet, speaking to Saul in verse 6. Of chapter 10, it says, The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you. And you will prophesy with the prophets. And you will be turned into another man. Such an amazing verse. Because this is modern day Christianity. Let me ask you this. Anybody that knows a story? Did that stick? That touch that Saul got. I mean, he's accurately prophesying with the prophets. Did that stick? Did it make an impact in his life and change his character? Hmm? No, it didn't. I mean, a few chapters later, he's trying to kill the next king. Come on, guys. He's got the heart of a murderer in his chest, and now he's accurately prophesying the prophets. You know why? Because when the Spirit falls on you, and he's not possessed you inside, then on church day, when the Spirit's good, you are changed into another man, but then when, as soon as the Spirit stops falling, you go back, back to the man you were. And this is what we, we call modern-day Christianity, is whether the Spirit falls or not. The problem with that is, is it never sticks. Unless we've got the spirit inside of us and we know how to live there first. When you live here first and cultivate this, then it creates an atmosphere where the spirit stays upon us. And we don't have to pray for God to come down. He's just with us. Does this make sense? But if you and I live in such a way out of our hearts that's not right and it's disobedient, rebellious to God, don't expect Holy Spirit to be on your shoulder and, and to be there for, for you and your chaos and your problems and your marriage and your career and everything else because you're living completely opposite of the Spirit that gave you the life of the Son you claim to be. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you and will prophesy with them. And you know what? When the Spirit of God comes down, gifts operate. They just do. And that's how we judge good church services and revivals. You know what the problem is? Is those revivals don't stick. How many of you ever been to a revival? And God touched you. And you didn't change. You know why? Because you're familiar with the Spirit being upon you. But you'll talk, oh man, brother, that was an awesome service. Oh, bless God, powerful sermon, uh, pastor. Wow, that was... But it doesn't change you. So it's just like this. You know, the Spirit of God comes upon you. Your heart's the same. You prophesy. You're up there moving in the gifts of the Spirit. People are falling out. And then, you know what? But you go back home and you're still the rotten husband you were. You're still the rotten wife that you were. Your kids are still rebellious and disobedient. There's no respect or authority in your home. Your mindset's still blown out. You're still more uh, uh, available to doubt and unbelief and criticism and self-hate and self-mutilization then you are the spirit of life inside of you you have no ability to confess truth over your life because you're confessing the lie everything that you think you see you believe and everything you should believe you don't why because when the spirit of god comes on you you're a christian the sons of god don't need the spirit of reigning on them to be able to give life Because they cultivate that spirit in the private secret place. They don't watch things and read things and listen to things that Jesus wouldn't listen or watch. But you're trying to take away my liberty. No, liberty is the right to be able to be like Jesus. Not the right to be able to do what you want and justify why you're not. You're, some of you need to understand you're not an American. What do you mean? Chad, well, you're not an American. If you claim to be a Christian, you're a son of the kingdom of God, which means you have to answer to a higher order and a higher call than Americans. And if you judge your Christian life by the American society definition, you're going to have an easy time just living just like the world. But yet the problem is when you meet Jesus, he's not an American. <laughs> and all the things you justified and dealt with in your life, he's going to say, why would you do that? Why'd you enjoy that? Why did you, why, why was that so important to you? Why was I not more important to you than that? Why did you judge yourself by what the doctors told you? Don't you know I made you free? Don't you know I made you new? Don't you know I made you alive? 
I'm not talking about, you know, medical conditions that we need healing for. I'm talking about trying to medicate thoughts. You can't medicate a thought. You ever wonder? I just never understood that. Well, I, have a, I have a mental disease. Well, how can thoughts have a disease? They have no substance. What do you think a pill's going to do for you except dumb down the host? I don't understand. You with me? Yeah. Too many people have a relationship with the Spirit of God if, they fall, if He falls on them. But the Spirit of God doesn't control them. Does the Spirit of God own you? Does He own your time, your mind, your books, your money, your time, everything? Does He own you? See, most of us only know how to relate to the Spirit of God in that way. The Spirit of God will come upon you and you'll prophesy with them and be turned into another man. That's, that's, that's what all, that's what, oh, that was such a powerful service. Do you realize you are the church? The church is not a, a location, it's not a building, it's not a congregation of, of we are the church. We, you're the church. And out of you should flow life. And out of you should have this lifestyle where it's all about Jesus and you're living in such a way Monday through Saturday that whenever it comes time to come back together, there's this crescendo of power. Why? Because all of us have cultivated the dove in our life. Saul went from this place to trying to murder David. Amazing. How many, how many guys have ever had the Holy Spirit touch you and then you get in a fight with your wife on the way home from church? Huh? That's exactly what it is right there. Do you think God wants to revive that? That's what we want, revival. You know what we call revival? Good services. You think that's what God intended when he, when he put the spirit of life inside of us? Or do you think he actually intended sons to walk and grow? This is why the command isn't to go create revival. The command is to go create disciples. But you know what we're enamored with? Good services. When the rain comes down, oh, it feels so good. Listen, I love that. I love that feeling too. The problem is, is that I am called to walk into desert places and cut heads off of enemies. That's my problem. I'm called to walk into your life when you can't get these things on your own and you feed from me because I've cultivated a lifestyle outside of church. Whenever you need me to be, whenever you don't know what I'm doing, I'm living holy because the next time I have to talk to you, I need to give you something you don't have on your own so that way I can raise you up and you can do that for someone else. That's discipleship. That's what sons do. Jesus says, for their sake, I sanctify myself. What modern Christianity does, it sanctifies itself for itself. I'm going to live holy because it feels bad when I don't. I'm going to keep all the rules and laws of the church because if I don't, I'm going to feel condemned. Jesus said, I sanctify myself. I'll keep myself holy because if I don't, they won't have a source of life to feed from. His morality was not about him. His relationship with God was not about him. It was all about us and Abba. We have to cultivate the spirit of God in our life. Does this make sense? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. We have to live by that same spirit that created us. Otherwise, we're creating chaos. Most of your problems in this place are because you live opposite to what you say you believe. And then you wonder why you're oppressed. Because you're satisfied with the Spirit just falling on you, but you're not satisfied with cultivating Him within you. The obedience, the love. Jesus says, if you love me, what? Keep my commandments. Obey me. Not in religion. He says that because He believes you can. Because of the new nature that He put inside of you, He believes in. He believes you have the power and the authority and the destiny to do so. He's not, you know, Jesus doesn't ask you to do anything you can't do without him. So he knows that if it's not being done, it's because you're not with him. Because when you're with him, life just flows. Who you are in him just comes out. Religion will try to force it out of you. Sonship will naturally bring it out of you. Because you believe in who you are and who God made you to be. And you don't listen to anything anybody else says. You know what I was told? I was told I would never speak well. I was told I would never write a book. I was told I was stupid. I was told I couldn't grasp the English language. That's what my teachers told about me. 
I guess I proved him wrong. Because God had something better for me. And if I would have identified with what they said, what would have happened to the life of God inside of me? I would have crucified that life by what I believed about myself. Does it make sense to you? So most people are cultivating things that divorce us from the very power that we're praying to receive. God's not going to manage your circumstances until the Holy Spirit manages you. I have so many people say, well, you know, you need to pray for my boyfriend. Well, are you having sex outside of marriage? Well, yeah, well, I ain't paying for, I'm not praying for him. And I'm not going to pray for you either. Until you have the fullness of sin in your life come to, to, to completion. That's what you need in your life. You need to realize that what you're sowing to your life is death, and God will not bring life to it until you step out of it. You with me? I'm sorry if that sounds harsh, but listen, if you, Jesus... And Jesus met those types of women. And he said, don't do that anymore. Didn't he? He forgave them. And I'd forgive you just as easily. But he said something when he, after he forgave them. Stop doing that. Why? Because you can. And you should. Because the life that I placed inside of you is not that way. It doesn't act like that. It doesn't live like that. It doesn't think like that. You're not a piece of meat. You're a son, you're a daughter. And you should live as such. And when you walk into Walmart, you should literally feel the demons bow around you because you're present. Because of how you're living your life Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday. And when everybody else is excusing all the things they want to be involved with, you say, no, for their sake, I sanctify myself and I will live in such a way. And when I walk through this life, I will possess the ground that God's given me and people will feed from my life and they will drink. Why? Jesus was a root out of dry ground, which means he was able to grow because he was tapped into something that nobody else could see. That was the Holy Spirit. And we live in an American wasteland where people have so much opinion about everything. Yeah, they're dead. They're dying. They're dry. Their relationships are terrible. Family reunions, what is that? We don't even want to do that anymore. Because everything's destroyed. We tolerate our wives and our spouses. We have, a, we have a, 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 an agreement, a rental agreement. We don't have a marriage. <laughs> you with me? Is this what God intended? For the church of Jesus. For you. No, it's not. Last verse, 1 Corinthians 6, 17. says, whoever is joined to the Lord is joined to him in one spirit. Which spirit? Whoever is joined to the Lord is joined to him in one spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. Isn't that amazing? Whoever's joined to the Lord is joined to him in one spirit. One Holy Spirit. So, he says, verse 18, flee fornication. Run from these things of the world. Because every sin that a man does outside of the body, when he commits fornication, he commits sin against himself. This is not just talking sexually. This is talking when you're fornicating with the Adamic nature in your life. God died to set you free from that union and that marriage. If you're going back into that mentality that this is who you are and this is what I am and this is and I can't help it and you're just going to have to get over it and blah, 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 or whatever it might be. You're fornicating with something God didn't create. And he says, don't you know that your body, in verse 19, is the temple of the Holy Spirit of God? And that... You have this spirit from God and you are not your own? Well, it's my life. No, it ain't. It is not your life. That's your problem is you're living it like it is your life. It, you have been purchased by the spirit of God. You were bought with a price. Verse 20. Because of that, glorify God in your body. And in your spirit, which are both God's. Because when you glorify God in your body, Holy Spirit rests on your shoulder. In and upon. You with me? 
Why is the Holy Spirit important to sonship? It's everything. He's everything. You claim to be a son and you don't walk in the Spirit, you're not a son. Why? What does the Bible say? They that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. They don't care where they're led. You know what most times the Spirit leads you to? Dead, dry, wilderness places. Same way he did in Jesus Matthew 4. Why? Because that's where people need you. And if you're constantly looking for God to be this rain on you, you're never the source of life from within you to someone else. Because your relationship with him becomes about you. God sends sons to places where people need to be watered. Because sons know how to water themselves on their own. They have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And they're constantly receiving from him. And they don't let negative thoughts come through their head. They take every thought captive because it's not a suggestion, it's a command. You with me? There's so many things that you do in your body that breaks communion with the Holy Spirit. When your life starts going chaotic, I promise you, somewhere in your body, in your mind, in your heart, you stepped away from the order and the plan of God, and you indulged in something that caused Holy Spirit to flee from you. And when he fled from you, you lost your power. And then you're going to try to be a Christian without him? Good luck. Doesn't work. Everybody stand. You need to walk away. We need to walk away from this Sauline Christianity where the Spirit of God just comes upon us. And we prophesy accurately with the prophets or God moves on us and we're a good Christian and we just love everybody whenever the Spirit's on us. But then as soon as we go back outside, we're bickering and biting. And you know why it's important? Because in Matthew 7, 22, Jesus says, many will come to me on that final day saying, Lord, we've prophesied in your name. We've done many works. We've done all kinds of good things. We've been involved in ministry. We've, but like Saul, accurately prophesying with the prophets, and these same people in Matthew 7, Jesus is going to say, I don't know who you are. You're not a son. So many people that run to gifts and callings. Do you realize it's possible to heal the sick without the Holy Spirit? Just ask the disciples. Do you think they were filled with the Holy Spirit whenever they were out there healing the sick and raising the dead? The name of Jesus just does that because it's powerful. You with me? That's what the name of Jesus does. It breaks every chain. It does, but that doesn't mean the person's right. Were those disciples right? No, they were biting and bickering and fighting and arguing with one another. Weren't they? I mean, it was amazing. Healing the sick one minute and then fighting with each other the next. Because that's the Spirit of God that comes on, but it's not residing within. There's no communion there with the Holy Spirit. We hear of a healing preacher in so-and-so state or city. You know what the first thing we're going to do? We're going to run there regardless of what kind of man they are. We just don't, we don't care about that. I don't care how you treat your wife or your kids. I just need you to heal me. Right? Because we're fascinated with the, with the things that happen when the Spirit comes down. You know what we should be fascinated with? The life of God that he impregnated with you, you with inside your spirit. That's a, it's the biggest miracle you'll ever receive is that God came inside of you. He has made you his son. He's not ashamed of you. He put his life inside of you. He's given you a purpose and a destiny bigger than just being a good little Christian on Sundays. Walking as a son has to come with walking with the Spirit. Cultivating that. There's so much more I have, I have on this, but I can't go into it all the time. All through the Scriptures. Romans 8. So many things. But if you have come to a place in your life where you are more familiar with the Adamic nature than the nature of God, you have got to repent. And that doesn't mean coming up here and weeping and bawling at the altar. That means you need to change how you think and you need to get back in the Word of God and then begin to live a life and make choices that please Holy Spirit. You say, well, that sounds like works. Yeah, works because you're saved. <laughs> Not works to be saved. Because you're saved, because you're a son, you work. 
You work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You don't do things that cause His Holy Spirit to flee. You don't say things. And if you do, you immediately humble yourself and you bring Him back. That's one thing that's awesome about Holy Spirit. He's attracted to humility. You screw up, you humble yourself, He comes right on back. You with me? So, Father, we thank you that you have given us your spirit. It's, you even say in your word that the Holy Spirit is the down payment to our inheritance. The spirit of life. So forgive us in this place, Father, as we've thought differently than Holy Spirit thinks. As we've lived differently than Holy Spirit lives. As we've existed and believed different than what Holy Spirit believes. We ask, Father, for those who are willing here that you would touch them and begin to work out this thing inside of them, that they would begin to live lives, make choices, think thoughts that foster a relationship with Holy Spirit. They read books that would be pleasing to you. They, they see things, listen to things, and involve themselves in things that would be pleasing to you. That they wouldn't have a relationship where they come in and out of you and in and out of you, but they would stay in the throne room of God. That you would birth sons in this place, ones that can grow, ones that know who Holy Spirit is. We pray this in Jesus' name for your glory because you died to give us this reality. May we live in it constantly. And if we've failed it, Father, forgive us. Forgive us for, for involving ourselves in those things. Bring us to your reality away from ours as we surrender it on your cross. We believe you. We love you. We trust you. We ask for your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.